This is a Hog Sports Network podcast. We're getting close to Arkansas's first game against a Power 5 team this year. The Razorbacks play BYU on Saturday night at Razorback Stadium in Fayetteville. It's a 6.30 kickoff, and the game will be televised by ESPN2. Kind of interesting, BYU was an independent when these teams played last year. Was an independent when the the series was contracted, but now they're in the Big 12. First year for the Cougars in that conference. Big opportunity for the Big 12 to get more wins on SEC fields this week. Of course, Texas beat Alabama last week. You've got BYU coming to Arkansas. You've got Kansas State going to Missouri. That's one of the the storylines going into college football this weekend. I'm Matt Jones with Scotty Bordelon and Ethan Westerman and. Scotty, as we look back at the game last year between Arkansas and BYU, I don't know how much you can take away from that game because so many things have changed for these two teams. Uh, they both went out and kind of overhauled their rosters through the transfer portal. Rocket Sanders had a big game against BYU last year in Provo. He's not going to play in this game. Uh, BYU's got a different quarterback. Maybe the the constants are the logos, the coaches, and KJ Jefferson. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we just published our keys to the game and I think my top key anyway was you know just let KJ be KJ and yeah he is one of the constants from from last year's game obviously he you know I kind of forgot um, the kind of offensive day that that Arkansas had at BYU obviously I think that was the game that Rocket went over a thousand yards for the season if I'm remembering that right it would have been in um, that time frame yeah it was mid-October yeah he had a really good day that day but KJ also threw for over 350 yards and five touchdowns uh, in that game. So he's got some, uh, some prior success, obviously against BYU. And I think this is just the week that Arkansas kind of cuts him loose. Like I said, on, on Tuesday and Sam Pittman basically said, said as much on Wednesday, you know, they've got to do whatever they they've got to do to win games. And I think that's, you know, going to look like KJ. Um, obviously he's going to touch the ball on, on every offensive play, uh, unless Arkansas does a tight end sneak again or something like that. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's a game that um, that KJ is going to be very well in control of, and uh, it, it'll be interesting to see kind of if B, does BYU kind of go to the four corners deal again uh, and kind of play ball possession and keep away from from KJ. That's going to be interesting to track because you know these games are not as long as they they used to be uh, mm-hmm. with the with the new clock rules and stuff. I think last week's game went two forty five, uh, which is crazy. I was talking to. Uh, my wife about it the other day. I said it only lasted, you know, about 30 minutes longer than a college basketball game does, which is pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's a week Arkansas can, you know, maybe try to get some things figured out offensively. And I think we, you know, we see the the full KJ Jefferson that maybe we didn't get to see the first couple weeks. And that's 245 with commercial breaks still. And uh, I don't know what it was for the game against Kent State. I know that when Arkansas played some of their games last year, I, I counted up how long the commercial breaks were taking. And it was somewhere on average of about 40 to 45 minutes a game that commercials were taking. And so you know, you're talking about you, th- you throw in halftime, 20 minutes, halftime in there, and it's only like an hour and 45 minutes of, of real football that's getting played uh, between Arkansas and Kent State the other day. That's that's pretty wild. You mentioned Arkansas's game last year in Provo. The Razorbacks had 644 yards of offense in that game. It was one of the top 10 offensive performances in school history and even though Arkansas won by 17 I felt like they outplayed BYU by a margin greater than 17 points a lot of people probably forget that end of the game Arkansas goes on a 10 minute and two second drive that goes to the BYU one yard line 
And instead of, you know, it, it's not to say that they weren't trying to score, but I don't think they were trying hard to score there at the end. They didn't want to run it up. They didn't want to, uh, you know, maybe give BYU an added motivation going into this year's game. And so they didn't score on a fourth and goal from the one yard line. BYU gets possession, takes one snap and the game's over. It was a, a thorough performance for Arkansas offensively last year at BYU. And I think the thing that kind of surprised me in that game was that Kalani Sataki, who is BYU's longtime coach, really prides himself on a, a physical bunch and they've been physical in games, but I thought Arkansas's physicality really overtook BYU in that game last year. It was kind of eye-opening to me because I, I thought maybe they would be more on par with one another. But hey, I guess that's uh, you know that sometimes that's what playing in the SEC will do for you, especially by mid-October. Arkansas uh, was just a lot more physical than BYU was. Ethan, you've watched some of their games this year, and I know you've looked into this roster quite a bit. What do you expect from BYU? It's kind of funny. They're in a weird way, kind of in a similar spot as Arkansas right now that they haven't really played um, great competition. I know Sam Pittman was really, he was a, he was quick to praise Sam Houston thinking that that's a good team that they played, but still Hmm. it's one of those type of deals where they're, um, you know, this is really just the first big test for both teams, but they have a similar problem right now that they haven't really been able to run the ball at all. Um, They've both teams have had some success finding some playmakers in the passing game. Uh, the tight end for BYU, Isaac Rex, he had like a hundred, I think 112 yard game against Southern Utah um, last time out. Um, they have some receivers that they got in the portal, just like Arkansas um, in uh, Darius Lassiter and a few others. So they have some playmakers that they've discovered in the portal. And uh, it just seems like they're kind of, in the same boat as Arkansas trying to get that chemistry offensively. Um, But both teams also have felt really good about how the way their defense has played uh, through two weeks. Uh, BYU, I mean, if it wasn't for that defensive performance in week one against Sam Houston, they shut them out 14-0. 14 points isn't isn't as much as you're wanting to score against a team like Sam Houston. So uh, their defense, they really kind of rallied behind them in that game. And then against Southern Utah, they allowed 16 points. So, both teams, uh, you know, it's kind of right now, I think you say this every year early in the year, but it's kind of more questions than answers, and you're just kind of waiting for that first big test. So I think it'll be interesting to see you reference that game, Arkansas at BYU last year. Arkansas was able to get 277 yards uh, through the ground against uh, BYU. A.J. Green, uh, who, you know, we expect to be Arkansas's main tailback for this game, he had 51 yards in that game. Um so he's had a little bit of success against them. You know, 51 yards on 11 carries isn't bad. Rocket Sanders, though, in that game, he had, I think at the time, that was his career high in rushing yards. Uh, he had 175 against them last year and then topped to that against Ole Miss later in the year. But Arkansas had success running the ball against them last year. So it'll be interesting to see if maybe this is the week that Arkansas can get back to the run game that, uh, you know, Sam Pittman really likes. But two teams that look oddly similar but at the same time, this might be a good litmus test to see where both teams are at. I did look this up after we were talking about this the other day. Sam Houston did win the FCS National Championship in 2020. I said, I thought they did. They did. So that's a team that's, even though they're FBS, this is their first year in FBS. They're not far removed from FCS. I don't know that, uh, you know, to Ethan's point, neither of these teams have played very good competition. BYU had played two teams that were in the FCS last year. 
Southern Utah, still in the FCS. Uh, Caden Slovis is their quarterback, and he transferred in from Pitt, of course, began his career at Southern Cal. He's put up decent numbers so far, has not been sacked. But one of the things, Scotty, that stood out to me that I think could be a, a real key to this game is that Southern Utah pressured him nine times last week. And, and that seems like a really high number for an FCS team against an FBS offensive line. And when you think about the type of game that Arkansas's defensive front is coming off of, seven sacks, 11 tackles for loss, not all of that was the defensive line, but those were the, the total numbers for Arkansas's defense, and the line contributed a lot of that. When you think about that type of performance that they had last week against Kent State and you see that Southern Utah was able to put that kind of pressure on Slovis, that, that's that's interesting to me this week. Yeah, same here. And, you know, I, I reference pro football focus a lot because I trust their their metrics. Um, I think something that's going to be interesting in this game is is Arkansas's run game against BYU's run defense. I think they've got the 12th best run defense grade among FBS teams. But if you look at um, BYU's, you know, pass blocking numbers, it's 68.5 through a couple of games. Not exactly sure where that stacks up nationally, um, but you would obviously wish that if you're BYU, that those pass blocking numbers were a lot better. I mean, Arkansas is after two weeks, you know, even though, you know, the offensive line and tight ends and, and whoever have been kind of getting some, some flack for their blocking, like Arkansas's pass blocking numbers are over 80 and BYU sitting at 68.5. Um, so yeah, they haven't obviously been clean. Uh, and this is not based on what Arkansas's front has done uh, on the defensive side. The first couple of weeks, it's not the probably, probably going to be, a really big challenge for uh for BYU. I mean Arkansas they they feel, you know, pretty confident rolling in. Gosh, what upwards of like eight, nine guys. Uh I think they have their top four pretty set, but um and I think we'll see I think I think this is the week, you know, that we'll probably see Arkansas play its guys more. Uh, instead of like the first series, you know, your 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 top four guys roll out there. The second series, your second group rolls out there. I think we could see maybe some um, some guys staying on the field pretty consistently, because I would imagine that they're you know they're seeing those pressure numbers that BYU's you know given up the first couple of weeks against kind of inferior competition. And Arkansas obviously would like to think that they've got guys that are more talented, more athletic, uh, more powerful that can you know wreak a little bit of havoc on, on that BYU uh, offensive line. So, yeah, I wonder if this this is going to be a week where we can kind of maybe see that both of these teams have played against teams that are a little bit below their their comp, their you know usual competition level, uh, maybe have to shake the cobwebs off a little bit and just kind of get used to the uh, maybe the uptick in competition. So I wouldn't be shocked, honestly, if there's a little bit of sloppiness on both sides, especially offensively. Um, you know, as, as maybe both of these teams you know, try to settle in a little bit. And on the other side, Ethan, BYU has not put a lot of pressure on opposing quarterbacks, just one sack through two games. Yeah, they uh, – it's kind of funny. You know, I'm going to go back real quick before I touch on that. You talked about how their offensive line, how they uh, haven't been great pass blocking, but they're one of seven teams that haven't allowed a sack yet. So it's kind of – it's one of those deals I think where that grade is more just referencing that uh, Slovis has had a lot of pressure on him and he's having to, um, you know, maybe dump the ball off quicker than he wants, not getting, uh, not being able to even get through his progression, having to throw it away. But I just find it interesting to see that, you know, I expected seeing their pass blocking grade that they'd taken some sacks by now. Um, but yeah, that was just touching back on that, that point about the, 
about their offensive line. But yeah, their defense, they uh they're one of these defenses that they're hard to predict, I feel like. They just they run a ton of different looks at you. Um they're very multiple, I think, is there is the way that Sam Pittman referenced it. They're um they have a lot of really strong linebacker play. Um, they have a guy, Ben Bywater, who I think he was preseason all big 12. They have a guy that Sam Pittman loves, uh, Max Tooley. Um, they have a lot of playmakers, but they really haven't gotten after the quarterback very much uh, this year. So it's one of those type of deals. You almost wonder if, um, if this is the type of game that Arkansas can, uh, if able to buy KJ Jefferson some time and get some playmakers, you know, out on the edges, if they can, uh, maybe bust a few big plays um but th- this is a this is a defense for BYU that I think um you know similar to Arkansas it's just a lot of new faces right now and it's a lot of uh it's a lot of just seeing how these guys can maybe step up in games like this and see if you can maybe pinpoint some playmakers um you know I, I feel like it's kind of these bigger games uh your first marquee non-conference game where you see who are kind of your guys who are your guys that are going to step up and come up with a sack in a big uh, situation. Speaking of playmakers, there's there's been a lot of talk around Arkansas this week, not necessarily within the program, but I, I've just seen it on message boards, heard it elsewhere about Isaiah Satania and, and the, the maybe the lack of snaps that he's had, Scotty. It was interesting to listen to Pittman you know, talk about that on Monday. He said one of the things that happened against Kent State was that when they got into you know, the the pattern of running the ball late in the game, that Satania uh, just he didn't factor into those plans and I think part of it is that uh, he doesn't he's not as strong of a run blocker Uh, and you look at his numbers in game one PFF stats they weren't very strong he was about 50-50 running pass during that game and I thought it was kind of interesting that when they played Kent State he was on the field three times as many snaps in passing downs than he was in running downs and so it's interesting to see what they're going to do with him because, you know, we talk about getting playmakers involved. What we've seen from him, whether it be in spring practice or uh, elsewhere, we know he's a playmaker or he's certainly got that capability. And it's going to be interesting to see what they do with him this week against BYU. Yeah, man, I'm with you. And it, I think I've talked about this with Tom before. It's like in the preseason and like you mentioned too, going back to the spring, the guys that were making plays in practice when we were watching, it was Isaac Tesla, Andrew Armstrong, and Isaiah Satania. And I came into the season thinking that Satania was going to be like their solid, solidly like their number three guy. Mm-hmm. And it just hasn't, I don't know what, for whatever reason, it just hasn't worked out that way to this point. And it seems like there's a lot of trust in Jaden Wilson. And granted, Jaden had a really good opener. Obviously, the the touchdown on the second play of the year was a big deal for him. Mm-hmm. Um, but outside of that, man, there hasn't just been a whole lot of success when you're targeting Jaden. Like, I know, remember there was a third down drop last week that he had, uh, could have extended a drive, you know, in a game that at, at that time was, you know, pretty close. Anytime you can convert on third down in a, in a tight game, um, you know, that's a, a big deal. And he didn't, didn't come up with it. Um, but there seems like there's a lot of trust in him. Um, but I think that Satania is your, I think Satania is your third guy. Um, I just think you got to find ways to uh, get him the ball, whether it's like jet sweeps or maybe you throw him a tunnel screen and just kind of try to get him out in space, you know, put a defender on an island uh, and let him try to beat him one-on-one because he's got enough shiftiness and elusiveness to, you know, make something out of that. Um, yeah, I'm, 
hope maybe they're that maybe this is the week that they they get him involved um you know going back to when what Ethan was talking about with the with BYU having one sack um they're one of nine teams in the country right now that only have one uh, interestingly, interestingly enough, LSU is another one of those, and so is Georgia, which might be the most shocking thing I just looked at. Yeah. Um, but I think I think you're going to see plenty of passing from KJ, and I would be surprised if Isaiah is not factored in there somewhere, man. Like even if you don't throw in bubbles or tunnels or something like that, jet sweeps, let him like just let him stretch his legs and you know maybe try to take the top off of a defense for a quick strike score. Uh, I just think he's he's too valuable. He's too fast. He's too talented to not be, you know, as you know, a factor. Um, and he just he just hasn't been these first two weeks. It's been um, been kind of head scratching to me because uh, I think I think he's to me anyway. And I'm not trying to put Jaden Wilson down, but I think Isaiah. Uh, I think he's your better option there. And you know, you you wonder every week going into every game with Sutania, is he going to break one in the special teams? He came awfully close to breaking one. Uh, one or two times against Western Carolina, uh, had a, a decent return last week against Kent State. Uh, Pittman said he is a willing blocker. He's just not physically there. And I don't think that's really that surprising when you look at his size. You, you think about the fact that you know he's a sprinter. Uh, you know, he, he's not going to be that big, strong, wide receiver that you might see at other places on the field. Uh, but yeah, I mean, and, and it's not just running game either. Remember that this, the, these receivers are asked to do a lot in the passing game as well from a blocking perspective. Uh, so certainly going to be interesting to see how Isaiah Satania factors into this. And and one more note on special teams, kind of surprising that Cam Little has not kicked a field goal yet this year, not even attempted one. Uh, it was really good during the preseason uh, in a game where you think it might be a little bit closer, that, that kicking game can certainly come into play. The Whole Hog Football Podcast is sponsored by Kendall King, design, display, signage, kendallking.com. That's K-E-N-D-A-L-K-I-N-G dot com. The Kindle King Group family of companies plays to win, just like our hogs. We know how demanding retail marketing is today. From digital omni-channel creative services, through in-store signing and displays, and finally, to social influence, we've got you covered. Our KKG Inc. family of companies, Kindle King, Shopcart Creative, and Soapbox Influence are winning with multiple retailers and brands. We play to win and we'll be a winning partner for all your retail marketing service needs. Go Hogs! When BYU comes to town, it's going to be kind of interesting because the expectation is BYU is going to bring a pretty large fan base to Fayetteville. I don't know that that might be as well known that they travel so well, but you think about BYU kind of in the way you think about Notre Dame. Notre Dame has the affiliation with the Catholic Church. And so, you know, when Notre Dame goes to these different towns, uh, you, you get a certain, you know, group of people who may not have had an opportunity to see Notre Dame in person. It's the same way with the Church of Latter-day Saints. Uh, big BYU following here in Northwest Arkansas. Uh, they're expecting a big BYU crowd this weekend in Fayetteville, certainly going to be home field advantage for Arkansas. I'm not saying that you're going to have 20,000 BYU fans in there, uh, but they do expect BYU to have a, a big following here in Fayetteville, Scotty, and uh, maybe the biggest following of any team coming to Fayetteville this year. When you look at tickets on the secondary market, the tickets for BYU are more expensive than any other game in Fayetteville this year. It's all based on dynamic pricing and I think it comes down to the fact that there are a lot of people who want to come to the Arkansas BYU game and you get a team like Auburn Mississippi State coming to Fayetteville you've seen that one before this is this is a unique matchup 
Yeah, I think so. I mean, you look at the, the other schools that are coming in here uh, the rest of the year. It's Mississippi State and Auburn and and Missouri. You know, Missouri will be easy to easy to travel to. And I think Auburn are obviously. I think there's enough of a kind of a hatred there. And Auburn fans probably obviously think that they can come. They're going to come in here and win, so they're probably going to travel um all right too but yeah it should be interesting i think it'll be a fun atmosphere just in general like i, I know i'm as excited to cover this game as i have been obviously for the first two games it's a it's a night game um you know byu fans probably not going to partake in what arkansas fans are going to throughout the day but um <laughs> as long as the weather's fine i think they'll <laughs> they'll probably enjoy their day up here um yeah i'm, I'm looking forward to it i think Anytime you get a, a night game, um, your first night game of the year is always really fun, I think, and everybody will look forward to that one. And I, I can remember talking to Sam Pittman uh, at, in Destin at, you know, SEC spring meetings, and he was really excited about this game even back in, you know, late May, early mm-hmm. June. Like, I think he likes he likes it when Arkansas fans show up pack the stadium out and they're loud and rowdy i think he's he's seen what kind of a home field advantage they can have uh you know when when the fan base is engaged and um and a good opponents in town you know i mean i think that that has a lot to do with with the build-up too that it's not um, just kind of a, a throwaway game at home you mentioned byu doesn't tailgate like everybody else i actually got an email from someone at byu this week they said you know it's not beer and brats with us one of the things they do is they bring they they gather items that are needed in in food banks and in other you know areas that that help you know less fortunate individuals they're going to donate 40,000 pounds of food to a local food bank here in Fayetteville uh before the game that's it's, it's kind of an incredible gesture around the SEC now some games this week to watch of course we'll talk about Arkansas BYU last but the first game of the day Actually, a couple of 11 o'clock kickoffs. The first one is LSU at Mississippi State. It'll be on ESPN. LSU bounced back big with a, a, a big victory over Grambling last week, 72-10. to 10. Mississippi State beat Arizona in overtime. This is going to be in Starkville. LSU's got its chance at its first win over an FBS team. Man, I really don't know what to make of that game. Uh, I, with the game being in Starkville, I think it'll be – I think it'll be pretty competitive, uh, if I'm being honest. I think I saw the line earlier was like maybe 10 or 10 and a half. I think Mississippi State could cover that. I wouldn't be absolutely shocked, I don't think, if if Mississippi State won it. Um, but I think you said that game's at 11 o'clock, right? Mm-hmm. I think that's – that's. I, mean, I think that's like Sam Pittman said earlier this week. I think that's the perfect time to, uh, to play a game on the road. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I think LSU will win, uh, but I, I would – I think Mississippi State will cover. I think it'll be a. I think it'll be a pretty competitive game to the end. Yeah, I'm with you, Scotty. That I think this one's going to be close, and I would be more than willing to pick Mississippi State if it was the same air raid look as last year, because LSU's secondary through two weeks has been really bad. Um, they're near the bottom in almost every category of pass defense in the nation. Um, but. Mississippi State this year is kind of predicated on its run game, which is just a, you know, it's taking a little bit of adjusting. Um, I think that LSU, um, you know, like you said, with that being an 11 a.m. game, that's kind of ideal um, for an early season road game, I feel like. Um, I just think that they'll 
maybe if Mississippi State had have beaten Arizona a little more convincingly, I'd go out on a limb and pick them. But I think LSU will LSU will win. Keep in mind, LSU can still, you know, they're still in. They're like Alabama. That's it's just a non-conference loss that they have. They they've still got everything that, you know, everything ahead of them. Quite honestly, I mean, they could win the SEC West. They could maybe win the SEC and get into the playoff that way. Still, a lot to play for for LSU. Mississippi State still has the air raid. They don't have Mike Leach. I think that's a huge component uh, when you talk about their passing game. I think LSU goes to Mississippi State and wins. The other 11 o'clock game, Kansas State goes to Missouri. It's an old Big 8, Big 12 matchup. It'll be on SEC Network. Missouri skinned by Middle Tennessee State last week. Kansas State looks pretty good, ranked 15th in the AP poll. Yeah, I – I think it was last year we were in a post-game press conference for a, an Arkansas home game, and I think Missouri, I think Missouri scored like a, a touchdown with like no time left on the clock in that mm-hmm. game. I'm not saying that it's going to be like a blowout, and you know Missouri maybe gets another score late like they did last year. But I, you know, I like I like Kansas State. I think I think that team's pretty talented, and I'm just like I just I don't know. Maybe it, it's me, but I'm. Not completely sold on on Eli Drinkwitz either. I'm with you there. I think that um, it's kind of funny, though, looking at the landscape of college football this week, this actually might be kind of the best game of the week. I don't know if it's fair to call it that, but um, but I, I do think that Missouri still has quite a long ways to go. I watched the end of that game against Middle Tennessee, and I'm just not sold on them at all. So I'll pick Kansas yeah, when both of the pregame shows go to Colorado State, Colorado, it tells you about the quality of games across the country. Uh, I'm with you guys. I, I don't I don't trust Missouri. I think Kansas State is a, a really solid program. I think they'll go in to Columbia and, and win that game this week and give the Big 12 a 2-0 and record against the SEC, and uh, that'll put some eyes on Arkansas-BYU on Saturday night. Some games we won't pick, just uh, real quick. Louisiana Monroe goes to Texas A&M. Uh, Samford is at Auburn. Vanderbilt's at UNLV, kind of an interesting matchup. You've got the Arkansas tie-in there with Barry Odom now, the head coach at UNLV. Wouldn't even know how to begin to, to pick that one if I if I had to. And then Akron goes to Kentucky. Uh, 2.30 kickoff on CBS. South Carolina is at Georgia. I always think this is one of the great underrated rivalries in the SEC, but South Carolina, uh, they got some splaining to do, so to speak. They lost to North Carolina two weeks ago. Didn't look real dominant against Furman last week, and, and they played Georgia, who just always looks mad. Yeah, Georgia Georgia fans probably are mad the way their their offense is getting off to a slow start. I think the last couple Saturdays, you know, when we've been in the press box just kind of score watching when we're able to, it's been a little bit surprising to see Georgia kind of scuffling out of the gates a little bit, but their defense is still really good, man. Um and, you know, I think for a lot of teams, like I mentioned earlier, Georgia's one of those teams that's got one sack. Well, in, in this season through two games, that just that's totally not what Georgia's defense has been in the past. Um, maybe they'll be able to get home this week, but even if they're not, I would uh, be willing to bet that Spencer Rattler might offer up a pick or two. Yeah, I saw enough of South Carolina against North Carolina to think that Georgia's defense is probably going to have a field day against them just that that offensive line for South Carolina has a really long ways to go. Just getting Spencer Rattler even time to try and make a play. Uh, Georgia hasn't really gotten after the quarterback, like you said, this year, but they still have one of the best defenses in the country. I think they're top near the top in most every defensive like uh, 
team category as far as like yards and scoring and all that goes right now. So um, I'm not sure. I think the line for that game is like four touchdowns or something. I'm not sure it'll be that bad, but I think Georgia beats them by at least a couple scores. The last three games in this series, 45-16, 40-13, 48-7 last year in Columbia. Georgia had cleared that stadium out by the end of the third quarter. They beat South Carolina so thoroughly last year. I think that they beat South Carolina big again. And uh, maybe the only thing to watch in that game is who Shane Beamer blames the loss on. It was the chain gang that he blamed the loss on two weeks ago against North Carolina. Uh, Alabama goes to South Florida, kind of an interesting game, 2.30 kickoff on ABC. Of course, the Crimson Tide, really mad after what happened against Texas. And I'm going to own my pick last week. I said I thought Texas would lose by multiple scores at Alabama. Wow, they looked really impressive. But but I figure Alabama goes to South Florida and wins this pretty handily. Yeah, you probably weren't the only one. Include I think I was also in that same boat with you uh, last week. That was uh, watching Alabama lose at home by double figures is one of the crazier things that I've I've seen uh, since I've been covering college football a little bit. That was absolutely wild. Um, but yeah, I do think Alabama. Maybe that game just serves as like a time to refocus. Now you know what I mean. Um, I don't think Jalen Milrow was necessarily bad last week. It's just. Man, if it could go wrong, it did go wrong for Alabama. This could, this might be a, um, a get back week for Alabama, and um, maybe maybe South Florida competes a little bit. Uh, I think the I think the coach at South Florida um, helped helped the team last year put up a bunch of points on on Alabama. So um, maybe there's some familiarity there, but I think Alabama's depth will be too much. Yeah, I think that Alabama's gonna be out to definitely prove something this week. I see this one being really, really ugly. Uh, South Florida lost to Western Kentucky in their opener by, I think, two or three scores. And then, um, yeah, I just don't think Alabama is going to respond from that Texas game uh, by being flat. I think they're going to probably play pretty angry. Alex Golish is the head coach at South Florida. He was the offensive coordinator at Tennessee last year. Alabama wins that one big, I think, on Saturday. Speaking of Tennessee, they go to Florida. It's a 6 o'clock kickoff on ESPN in the Swamp. Florida, we know the problems they had with Utah two weeks ago. Tennessee did not look real great against Austin P last week. No, I think I'm still riding with, with Jalen Milrow, or Joe Milton uh, at this point, sorry. Um I just really like him. I think he's super talented. Um, and I don't think Tennessee's won in the swamp in what, 20 years, something like that. Has it been that long? Um, it's been a long time. I could, I could have misread the internet. Um, but I'm pretty sure they haven't won there in a long, long time. Um, but I like Tennessee though. I, I really like their skill talent. And I think, um, Billy Napier is another one of those guys in the league that, you know, he might be, I know it's early in his tenure. He could be coaching for his job pretty soon. I just I think Tennessee's too talented. I think they'll win down there. You know, all preseason, Florida was that team in the SEC that I kind of picked, like I said, last or second to last in the East. I just didn't have much faith in them. But for some reason, I do this week. I just think that it sets up like such a game for them. They're not, I don't really think that they're playing with as much pressure maybe is Tennessee in this game with it just being a home game in the swamp. Um, they've already taken a loss this year. Um, their defense, I mean, is actually playing really, really well. They're third in the country in uh, total defense right now. I just think that kind of the way that this game sets up and had had Tennessee blown out uh, Austin P last week, I probably wouldn't 
be going on a limb and picking Florida up to upset them, but that game just didn't show me anything. Austin Peay's not very good, um, and Tennessee did not look very sharp. So I think that it kind of just sets up for a one of those weird upsets. I'm picking Florida. 2003, that was the last time that Tennessee beat Florida in the Swamp. In fact, last year when Tennessee won, Florida had won 16 of the previous 17 meetings in that series. I'm going with Tennessee because I don't think Florida can score. I think Tennessee, even in a low-scoring game, Tennessee is going to have the upper hand because uh, it's just a little bit better offensively, maybe a lot better offensively, quite frankly, than Florida. One other game before we get to Arkansas-BYU, it kicks off at the same time, 6.30 on SEC Network. Georgia Tech goes to Ole Miss. Uh, If memory serves, Ole Miss went to Atlanta and hammered Georgia Tech last year. Yeah, I'm still. I'm just gonna stick with, with Ole Miss. I think their their offense is, um, a little bit too powerful right now. Um, I was trying to find some stats on on Ole Miss from last week. You know, they put up 37 points against Tulane. I think that was that game last week against Tulane. You know, I kind of in the back of my mind was like, man, that could be a trap game for mm-hmm. for Ole Miss. Um, you know, if they don't go in there laser focused, but to come out of there with a, a 17 point win, I, I mean, they're coming back. Coming back home, right? It's not a neutral field game. No, it's in Oxford. Yeah, I like I like Ole Miss in that game. Um, and I think I think this is a week that they need to get sharp because they're going to have to go to Alabama uh, next weekend. Yeah, I I like Ole Miss to win this one pretty big. Um, and I think that this is the game that Quinshawn Judkins really gets going because Georgia Tech's run defense is near the bottom of the country. Um, it's kind of funny that Ole Miss right now is kind of with its win over Tulane holding the SEC's banner for best non-conference win in the early season. Um, so I think that – I just think it's funny that Ole Miss, they're, they're going to have wins over Georgia Tech and Tulane and kind of be right now holding two of the SEC's better non-conference wins if they get it done on Saturday. I think Ole Miss wins big. I think their offense is is really good this year. I think they'll score a lot of points and – and probably blow out Georgia Tech. All right, Arkansas-BYU on Saturday. The last line I saw for this game was Arkansas by about eight or nine points. Uh, so Vegas obviously likes the Razorbacks. It's a 6.30 kickoff on ESPN2. Both of these teams, as we've mentioned, they're 2-0, and but who have they really played? I mean, they've beaten FCS teams and teams that are maybe just above FCS and caliber of, of quality. Scotty, what have you got? Yeah, I like Arkansas. Um you know, I'd mentioned KJ earlier in the pod, and I just think this is a week that you see KJ kind of carry this team. I'm not exactly sure of a score right now. Like in my mind, I've got something like 28-17 or 31-17, uh, something like that. So maybe we do see Cam Little uh, if it if it is 31-17. It's been weird not seeing him on the field like at all, other than PATs. Um, but yeah, I just think it's a it's a week that we see KJ, you know, take firm control of this team. If he, you know, that's not to say that he hasn't um, already this season, but you see more of him. I think maybe more of his complete game. And then we see Arkansas's defensive line. We'll see if it's for real. I think they'll I think they'll get some pressure on Keaton Slovis and uh, knock him off his spot enough to you know make him uh, make some mistakes. Yeah, I'm with you, Scotty. I don't think I don't think it'll be the same type of game that we saw last year where it's a shootout by any stretch of the imagination. I think that it's going to be a little bit lower scoring. I'm probably going to, I'll pick Arkansas by something in the like 24 to 10 range or something like that. I'm just not sold on BYU's offense at all. Um, And I think that Arkansas um, just playing at home and at night, just, I, I think that they'll be able to get it done in this one. 
Yeah, I think home game and quarterback is what it comes down to to for me. I think that Jefferson is is a better quarterback than Slovis is. And, you know, what we saw him do against BYU last year probably is a pretty good indication that he's going to be able to do some similar things this year. I know they brought in a new defensive coordinator. Uh, you know, maybe it's it's not as high scoring of a game as it was last year. But I think that they've they've kind of had the reins on K.J. Jefferson the first two weeks. I think the reins come off this week. He runs however many times he needs to uh, to make this offense click. And, you know, even with the, the questions for Arkansas along the offensive line, I think that, you know, if last year's any indication, uh, they're going to be able to have some success uh, physically against BYU. I know they didn't have it against Western Carolina or Kent State necessarily, uh, but you know, I, I just, I don't know. I've, I've got a feeling that they're going to be able to have a better week this week along the offensive line. They've got the same group playing together for the second consecutive week. They didn't have that last week. And, you know, by all the indications, it's been a lot of really physical practices. There's been uh, some manhood, I think, that's been challenged this week on Arkansas's football team. And I think they'll respond Saturday night. I think they'll beat BYU. Couldn't give you a score. I just think that they'll come out on top. Again, Arkansas BYU, 6.30 Saturday night on ESPN2. Hope you'll come to our website, wholehogsports.com, after the game to read all of our coverage. And we'll be back next week with another Whole Hog Football podcast to talk about that game and start looking ahead to the Razorbacks and LSU. For Ethan Westerman and Scotty Bordelon, I'm Matt Jones. We appreciate you joining us, and we'll see you next time on the Whole Hog Football podcast. The preceding has been a production of the Hog Sports Network. Look for our daily podcasts on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. For more Razorbacks coverage, go to wholehogsports.com or follow the Hog Sports Network reporters on social media.